Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, emotion regulation, resilience. I'm in our trauma series, and I wanted to go back just a little bit and start talking about the nervous system. I think it's really helpful to understand. I find kiddos are interested in learning these things, professionals, parents. It's really important uh, just to get over any humps that we have around you know, tough love sort of things, or just do this thing and you'll be better. I mean, really understanding what's going on with our nervous system. It's foundational and the nervous system. It's foundational for our emotions, our health, and our general wellness. And some kiddos are more sensitive. They have more sensitive nervous systems than other people, right? If they've experienced trauma and have had trauma responses they are more likely to have a sensitive nervous system compared to people who've had the exact same situation, you know, event happen in their life, but maybe they didn't respond and didn't have, you know, PTSD. They didn't respond in that traumatic way. So they have a very different nervous system. And so understanding our nervous system is really important. Okay. And understanding our own nervous system. So whether you know, you're listening for your own kiddo or you're working with kiddos, we need to help everyone understand their very own nervous system. And I'll be talking over, you know, the next couple of weeks, at least about this today is really laying that foundation about the nervous system for anyone who's dysregulated, especially our kiddos talking is never going to help regulate. Okay. It's just going to make things worse. I've talked about this before. We got to give them space. We want to work on the skills to help them build that nervous system. So they can become more tolerant of stressors in their life. They can have a more flexible nervous system. That's what we want to work towards, right? Everyone's different. So it's a matter of experimenting with what does or doesn't work, right? And, and even what's going to work one day in one minute might not work the next day. If a kiddo's hungry or if they're tired or if they had a friendship fire or had a big test that they were stressing about, they're already going to be more sensitive and it's going to be harder for them to cope. So we need to you know, keep those things in mind as well. It's not a because they've done it once, they should be able to do it all the time. So just something to keep at the back of our mind. So when we look at the nervous system, there's essentially two systems which you may or may not know. The first is the central nervous system, the CNS. That's that's our brain and our spinal cord. And the CNS is responsible for everything from our basic movements, for our reflexes, for our thoughts, responsible for everything. Then we've got the peripheral nervous system, the PNS. So that includes all of our, our nerves and our neurons. They're the messengers. They carry the information from the brain and sending all the signals through our body. That's what controls our actions. So the peripheral nervous system, it's made up of uh, our somatic nervous system. That's our voluntary controls. It, it controls our movement. It controls the automatic, autonomic nervous system. So that's the automatic involuntary piece. Okay. So there's two different pieces there. We can see it branching off into two different areas. It connects to the brain and all of our internal organs. And so it controls all of our, you know, processes that our organs do. So our heart rate, our blood pressure, our digestion, even things like coughing and sneezing. Okay. So anything that's happening in our environment, it's those automatic responses. So autonomic, think automatic. Okay. Um, it's all out of our control. It's all out of our awareness. We don't have any, it's just, that's why it's called automatic. And that's really report, 
important to remember because there's things that our body does automatically that we have zero control over. So it doesn't do us any good if we're beating ourselves up, if all of a sudden our heart rate is, you know, picking up and we don't know why, right? I talk a lot in my episodes and in all my training about the fact that we have zero control over that anxiety dial, right? We try controlling it. We we really don't have any control and that's why it comes up on its own. It's just so automatic. There might be things out of our awareness. We didn't even realize stimuli. We didn't even realize that is setting off that fight flight. So we have to help normalize these experiences. Of course you feel this way. I know it's confusing and maybe scary when we don't know why our heart is beating all of a sudden, but of course you feel that way. The brain and the body are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So we can let go of feeling bad or wondering what's wrong with us because our body is just doing its thing. Something triggered it. Just like a kindergartner might come and pull the fire alarm. We don't have control over that. The fire alarm is going to ring no matter what. And guess what? The fire truck is still going to come no matter what. We don't have control of those reactions because of, you know, something that we didn't even realize was happening. So it might not feel great, but it's normal. And we really have to come back to that. Okay. Something triggered off your alarm, but this is normal. This is what your body does. Okay. So this autonomic nervous system, it's what we're really interested in. Okay. And when it gets to anxiety and emotion regulation, this is kind of where I'm going to be focusing some of our talk about with the ANS, there's two more subsystems. They keep branching off into two. So there's the sympathetic nervous system. That's our fight flight. And then the parasympathetic nervous system. So you might know that as your um, rest and digest. Okay. Now, both of these fight, flight, rest, digest systems, they control the same organs. They don't, they don't have, you know, you take a few of these organs and you take, no, they control the same organs, Um, but they don't work together. They work in opposite directions. So the sympathetic system, that's the gas pedal that's revving up our bodies to protect itself. Okay. So if we're feeling our heart rate revving up, that's our gas pedal. That's our sympathetic system. So our emotional brain thinks something bad is going to happen. The sympathetic system takes over into that fight flight reaction. And when that happens, we get this huge dose of adrenaline and this cortisol. It gives us the energy that we need to be able to protect ourselves, whether we're running away or fighting. And I'm talking an incredibly huge amount of energy in a really short period of time. And that's why we can hear amazing stories of mothers throwing cars out of the way when they're saving their babies or the, I I shared the example of the teenagers. I love that story. Two teenagers who were able to pick up a 3000 pound tracker tractor off of their dad because it was crushing him right. And saved his life. So our body, it was built to help us get up out of these severe emergencies as fast as possible. So it's the short, quick burst of incredible energy. All animals have this right? So that we can escape danger. And if you watch any of those wild animal shows, you know, where there's a predator eating, chasing its prey, we see this huge amount of energy so we can escape danger. We are upregulated, we're mobilized, ready to fight. Our whole system's revved up. Now, when these chemicals are released, a lot of things happen in our body. I've talked a lot about this over the past year and all my training. So our pupils dilate, 
our heartbeats increase, of course. So we might feel that chest pain. A lot of adults, like I said before, feel like they're having a heart attack. We might have trouble breathing deeply, catching our breath. Our digestion slows down. So we're not going to feel very hungry. That's why we might lose our appetite when we're stressed out. Lots of other things happen. So those are the kinds of things, but it's uber important when we have to run away. You know, if something's going to eat us and we have to run away, we got to get that our blood to our muscles as fast as possible. That's why our heart rate has to brace. Digestion's not going to help us. So these are the things that are happening, right? But it's not helpful if you're trying to write a test or ask someone out on a date, right? Especially now that our body, it's all revved up with all of this energy and that energy has to go somewhere. And if it isn't going somewhere, it's not going to feel good in the body. It's going to take up all of our brain capacity, which is why we see our, you know, kiddos with test anxiety, just go blank. They don't have brain power to think, right? They've got all of this energy going and it's just going to make us feel more anxious. And so now we've got this racing brain, right? And we've got trouble focusing. We've got trouble sleeping, trouble doing anything that we need to do. We might be easily startled, I know when I'm stressed, I'm startled so easily. We're just on edge. And I said this time and time again, you know, our brains haven't developed much from a long time ago, right? We still have these really primitive instincts as our cavemen brethren. I mean, we do, there's been some development, but those primitive instincts are so strong, even though we don't have any predators, generations and generations, we have not had predators eating us, running around eating us, right? But it's so deeply embedded in our brain. I wonder though, if we like, we likely haven't changed that part of the brain because the brain can't tell the difference. And I talk a lot about this too, whether we're about to get eaten or someone just cut us off in traffic, or I've got a report due tomorrow, or I've got a test in front of me, right? And so we're reinforcing that stress response pathway because the brain is still thinking we are in danger and can't tell what the danger is, if it's a big deal, if it's a little deal, it just can't do that, right? And it doesn't know how much work we have to put out, right? Whether, you know, I'm going to make the volleyball team, or if I'm going to be invited for a sleepover, or if I'm going to come face to face with the cougar, that's always my big fear, right? It doesn't know how much energy it needs for this. It's going to react the exact same way. It's not going to wait around to see what the problem is. Okay. So that's really important when you're like, really, is this a big deal? Just calm down. Why are you so stressed out? The brain doesn't know better. It's so hard. So we just got to make sure we are giving that space, validating their experiences and normalizing. Now, for anyone who's had traumatic experiences, that's kind of what I'm talking about today, all of their senses are lit up. It's really, really hard to get that nervous system regulated again. And, you know, kiddos with sensory sensitivities, for example, as well, just every, they're just taking everything in. And so they're remaining at this heightened state of arousal, ready to fight or flight at any given minute. Anything could be a threat. And that's exhausting. And when it's so exhausting and we're in this arousal, we are unable to cope with anything that comes our way. Okay. So I think that that's really important. Now, I know I've talked in previous episodes about how humans are the only species that experience trauma. Dr. Levine talks about this, how we trap trauma in our bodies. 
other animals have a natural ability. They use up that energy after they've experienced, you know, acute stress. They're finishing off the fight flight response. Dr. Levine talks about, you know, the example of polar bears. And I think I've talked about this before. They're caught and when they're released, when they are starting to come to, you know, if they've been drugged, they start coming to you, they're, they're running off their emotions, right? If you've ever been um, in a close call, whether it's been like a car accident or something, you're likely shaking afterwards. That's our nervous system's way of calming itself down. When we see little baby animals in the wild who are about to, you know, who had a traumatic experience, they're they're playing afterwards. And we're like, why are they playing while well, they're using up all of that energy? And so they don't experience the same trauma and PTSD that we do as humans. But when we're stressed, what do we do? We don't go play. We don't go for a run. We go and sit in front of a device, especially kids, right? We don't use up that energy. We stay stuck and that trauma stays stuck, right? And that energy stuck. We're in that excess. Cortisol is actually good. I've talked about this lots before too. It actually protects our immune system. It's good as long as we're using it up, we're moving our bodies, right? But then sitting and going to a computer, adults grabbing a bottle of wine and binge watching Netflix when they're stressed, that's where the problem leads to all the chronic stress and it, you know, all the, the heart conditions that we have, all of the health conditions that we have, and it makes our nervous system dysregulated because we're trapping that stress and trauma in the body. Okay. So we got to release it. Then we've got the parasympathetic system. Okay. So the sympathetic system, that's the gas pedal revs us up the parasympathetic system. It's the break. And it helps our bodies calm down and regulate ourselves. So we're slowing down, we're resting and repairing. And so again, the same organs are being used. So instead of our pupils getting bigger to take in more light, now they're constricting. Our heartbeat actually slows down. Our digestion starts up. We start uh, making saliva again, right? So that that's the breaks and everything starts to work and, and calm down a little bit. Now there's a little bit more to that, which I will get to in a second when we're regulated and we have a healthy nervous system, a flexible nervous system, these two systems work beautifully together. Right. And I'm always talking about setting the thermostat, right? That's just a really good analogy when it's working. It knows, okay, I'm always scanning my environment, scanning where I'm at, Oh, it's getting a little bit warm. I got to turn off so I can help cool the, the house down or I can cool down or getting cold. I need to turn everything up. I got to get a little bit warmer. So it brings that really nice balance. And that's what our nervous system should be doing when we have a well balanced, healthy, um, flexible nervous system. Now, when we're calm like that, we've got balanced in the body, right? So when it's calm, we've got balance, not to say that we won't get fight flight. We absolutely will. So when we get even more specific, that thermostat is really our hypothalamus. So its job is to keep the body at a constant state as best as can, right? Like that thermostat, it's always monitoring information from all around us, from our external world, but also 
our internal worlds as well, what's going on internally. And just like how the thermostat responds, either warming up or cooling down that hypothalamus, it's either going to hammer the gas pedal to rev us up or slam the brakes to cool us down, depending on what our body needs in that time. So our resilient kiddos, they can cope with the challenges in the world and the daily stressors. They can regulate their emotions. They have a healthy nervous system. It's flexible. It's adaptable, right? It can adapt to whatever is going on externally or internally. Now, most of that, I think most of us might know. And if not, that's great. You know, you've just learned something or it's a really good refresher. What we're hearing more and more about, though, is um, that's not as common. I mean, certainly in the psychology world, um, but I know, you know, not everybody knows this is the vagus nerve. And so I'm going to focus really on that vagus nerve over the next couple of weeks. So this is part of the parasympathetic system, and it's really important to help us with that resting and digesting process. So when we look at the Latin word of Vegas, it means wanderer, wandering, okay, wanderer. Um, it's very suiting because this vagus nerve, it's the most interconnected uh, nerve that goes from our brain to almost everywhere in the body, right? And, and it is, it's connected to all of our organs. Its job is to regulate all of our organs and functions. So this is the brain body connector that we're always talking about. And it plays a huge part in the gut brain relationship, which I'm going to be talking about as well. So information moves back and forth to and from our brain, interacting with our organs through this vagus nerve. When we're resting, it's the vagus nerve that takes over things like our heart rate and our breathing rate, all of our digestion. It's really important for both our physical and our emotional health. So it's very important to know this. Now, when we look at theories like polyvagal theory, so polyvagal was developed by Dr. Porges, who I love. He also talked about the ventral vagal complex, and there's two sides. Okay, just like we were breaking everything into two, the vagus nerve has two sides. So first is the front side. That's our ventral vagus nerve. This responds to safety, and that helps us to calm down, to feel safe, to be present in our world, to feel connected. Okay, it's in charge of um, the things that are important for us to regulate our emotions and to engage socially. That's really important and to engage with our world. Now, the backside of the of the vagus nerve is the dorsal vagus nerve. That's why it's dorsal, right? That responds to danger. Its job is to oversee things like digestion, um, making sure we're saving our energy, right? So this backside is what makes us shut down. So when stress becomes too overwhelming and that vagal break can't hold on anymore, you know, when this happens, um, it's hard. I mean, our executive functioning, the thinking rational part of the brain goes offline, that ventral system that keeps us relaxed, it's lost access because our Wi-Fi has gone offline. And so we move past that fight flight stress response, which could either be, you know, the sympathetic fight flight on the one hand, or it's going to go to the dorsal vagal shutdown. That's the freeze response. That's what I'm talking about here. And when the freeze response kicks in down the backside, we feel disconnected. 
We might feel foggy and confused. We might even in extreme areas, we might dissociate. And when it gets really extreme, we literally freeze. Everything shuts down our pain response. We can't even move if we wanted to. That helps us conserve our energy. And and it makes us minimally aware of what's going on. We are no longer present about what's happening internally, externally. And that's a good thing if we're going to be eaten. I wouldn't want to be aware of that, right? So all animals have this because it would be so horrible to experience being eaten. And some animals still are in today's day and age, right? But it's more of a problem, just like with fight flight, it's more of a problem in everyday living when we're not actually in such extreme danger. There's nothing that like that, that we need to necessarily be aware of. Yes, there's still bad things that happen that I would absolutely want to dissociate from, but this is responsible for post-traumatic stress disorder because we dissociate We don't have the sequence of memories to help us process through everything. And that's something I've talked about a couple of weeks ago. And so if we're sitting in class, there's no trauma happening to us right now, but we're going into dorsal. If we're just sitting there trying to do our work or trying to write a test, we're obviously not going to do very well, right? Because we are not there. We're not able to listen. We're not able to interact. We're not able to do our work. We're not really present. When we're well adapted and our vagus nerves functioning healthily, we can usually calm pretty easily afterwards, right? So even if we go into fight flight, we can calm down pretty quickly. We can adapt to the stressors, right? We're way more flexible. We're we're tolerant throughout our day. That's really where we want to be. That's where we're going to help our kiddos go, right? We need to be able to do it. So work on yourself first, but then we want to make sure our kids can do. We want to be at that ideal sort of level of arousal. I'm sure you've heard of things like zones of regulation, which I've talked about before. It's kind of like a version of that, right? In the green zone, when we're regulated, our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, they're working together smoothly. It's it's keeping us stable. It's keeping us flexible. We're engaged. We're relaxed. We're doing what we need to do, interacting with our world. We can respond to whatever life throws life is throwing our way. And the more flexible we are and the more tolerant we are of the stresses in our world, the more we can take on, the more we can manage, right? We can take on the world. We've got that confidence and the ability to do it. But when we get out of that green zone, when there's too much stress, too much emotion, too much of something that makes it impossible to stay in that relaxed state, we go into either the hyper arousal where the gas pedal is going, revving up that fight flight or the hypo arousal. It's the dorsal or freeze response. Now, I already talked a lot about fight flight and how it can get stuck. I'm just going to focus a little bit more now on that freeze state where we're we're completely immobilized. Okay. So we don't want to feel pain if we're about to get eaten, if we've caught, been caught by a cougar and about to get eaten, right? We don't want that. I keep using cougars because I'm terrified of them. And so that's why I'm talking about cougars all the time. When it's not fully activated, we might be foggy. We might be confused. We might be slightly disconnected, right? Kind of like walking through fog or molasses. That's kind of what I think about. Um, where things are just slowed down. It's like the world is in slow motion. Now here we might seem okay to somebody else. So this is called faux regulation when we're not in extreme complete shutdown. Okay. We're still on our way. We're still hypo aroused, but it's faux regulation. In my anxiety courses, I actually have a video of myself skydiving and I look like I'm having fun. You know, I've got this sort of smile 
pasted on my face. I'm like ready to jump out of this place, but I was completely terrified. And it's a great example. I'll see if I can uh, find a way to add it here. It's a great example of this faux regulation. And even when I ask my audience, when I'm doing live presentations, I'm like, do I look scared? And everyone's like, no, you don't look scared. So here's the thing. Kids might look okay right? They might just be sitting there and then they freak out. Well, they could be in this faux regulation. Okay. But my body is really going into this immobilization state, just pure shock and panic and shutdown. Okay. I'm able to go through the motions and yes, I do jump out of the plane, but leading up to that, you know, it's just shut down. Um, so the dorsal vagus nerve, it's starting to shut things down. Okay. And that's what's happening. And so we go into full-blown freeze when the entire system is shut down. So I don't completely shut down when I'm jumping out of the plane, but I am on my way to, and actually I don't often share this piece, but the night before I jumped out of the plane, we went out at nighttime and it was freezing cold. It was pitch black and I did shut down. There was no way you were going to get me out of the plane. So we went again, first thing in the morning when I could actually see still cold, but not as freezing cold. So when our dorsal vagus nerve, it's constantly activated, we start to experience things like um, emotional numbing, chronic, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, all of those kinds of things. Okay. So I'm going to leave it there. There's some things that I want to get into, um, just looking at some proactive sort of strategies to strengthen our nervous system and its flexibility. Um, but I, I just know I give too much information usually, so I'm going to end it there just so you can start sinking that in and start thinking about the kiddos, whether you know, whether you're working with them or they're your own kiddos, do they go into this faux regulation where they're starting to shut down? And that's more for the, our kiddos who withdraw, right? But if we keep pressing them and pressing them, they might eventually explode. But we just want to start thinking about um, where their nervous system might be. And so we can start collecting some data. I'm going to have lots of resources over the next couple of weeks, but we can just start thinking about what some of those triggers are and are they going into hyper or hypo arousal? So leave it there. Have a fantastic day. Go help those kiddos be bold and brave and courageous and resilient. And I will see you next week. Thank you.